0: Welcome to the Untitled Investment Talk, the podcast about all things digital assets. This is part two of our interview with Philip Zimmerer on Decentralized Autonomous Organizations or DAOs. Philip is a core contributor to the SPOOL DAO, a middleware facilitating access to different pools of DeFi yield protocols with integrated risk management approaches. Philip has gained tons of knowledge through building up the spool DAO, and in part one of the talk, he shared insights on what DAOs actually are, how they can be organized, what he thinks about DAO building tools, and about the future of the DAO market. If you haven't listened to part one, we highly recommend to do so, since it formed the basis for today's talk. Topics today include regulatory challenges of DAOs, what Spool learned from failures and successes of other DAO projects, we hear Philip's view on the state of art of investment DAOs and how DAOs can collaborate. My name is Carl Michael and I'm co-hosting this show together with my untiled investment expertise colleague Simon Schaber. Simon will continue right where we stop with part one and jumps into the discussion with Philip on how much Spool is impacted by regulation. Over to Simon.
1: So do you think there's like a fundamental difference um, between DAOs, as you mentioned, like Spool, where yield is not really generated in Spool, funds, capital isn't really deployed and employed directly in Spool? So in my completely unqualified, again, nothing here is advice, opinion, the regulatory risk seems a lot lower since it's permissionless, value is just routed through, it's more like a tech being provided. Do you think there's a fundamental difference between DAOs like these and DAOs like, for example, AFE or uh, well, underlying DeFi protocols that might really attract regulators? Because at the end of the day, that's where the actual lending and borrowing is happening. Do you think there needs to be a difference or there is a difference in the DAO structure between these two kinds of well, DAOs?
2: I mean, yeah, it, again, you're basically asking, so depending on what DAOs manage, could the People behind it get in trouble, right? Or could they be like questioned or called out for something? Kinda, yeah. What challenges are they facing? Yeah. Are they very different? Yeah. And and yeah, like you already said, right? You, I think you recognize it really well with with Spool. So Spool is basically a set of smart contracts on Ethereum, right? So Spool doesn't really hold any funds. It just helps you set up using our 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 tech stack or using Spool's tech stack to set up a way to access these yield yield generators and again like you said spool just routes everything through it so if someone deploys funds through spool they can do so without consulting anyone at the spool DAO, without signing a contract or anything they can just use the tech stack to get to 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 build sort of products for themselves that they want for whatever use they have in mind professional use their own use and so on and The um, revenue that is generated through them is essentially charged in form of a performance fee based on how much profit off of DeFi applications is this user generating through usage of the spool tech stack. And then upon withdrawal, this is automatically routed to the spool treasury. So it's very hands off. It's a product that people can use without asking for whatever purpose they would have and uh, in the end when once they're done based on the success they've had they pay a performance fee to the to the spool DAO. so we're really not we're really not involved with holding any funds for people or actively making investment decisions for them because all this decision making is outsourced and all the yield generation is also essentially outsourced to the to the DeFi primitives now if you look at like you mentioned your your examples with avid and so on i can't really comment on that because I don't have the knowledge on what's going on there in in depth, in detail. But I can obviously speculate. So what I'm expecting is that there will definitely be calls to regulators to say, hey, these guys are running this and that. Please look into that. And these calls will come from people who don't understand what DAOs are and who don't want to understand what DAOs are, uh, but from people that just want to have their voice heard, make a statement or whatever, have something to to lose or to win when it comes to, to DAOs and, let's say, lending or AMMs being either like, quote unquote, banned or supported or approved and so on. So there's going to be a lot of discourse that is... In my opinion, going to be a lot of noise. And in the end, it will come down to how decentralized are these things? Is there any entity that could click an off button and turn everything off while this entity also siphons out profits in, let's say, non-transparent manner? And this is where it could get a little bit like there were question marks could pop up. I think that in the case of Ave, for example that regulators might not look at Aave directly, but they might look on how do the liquidations with Aave work? Like who profits there? How, is, how does all of that work, right? I know that it's on paper going to be, I think the outcome will be will still be fine for Aave, right? Because these liquidation bots, I think they, they operate just fine and how they're advertised. But I don't think that's, for example, going to be the case everywhere. And I think this is sort of one of the traps that some DAOs could fall into that there's like secondary things or secondary sources of revenue that are kind of being, yeah, snacked up. But in the end, I just hope for fair treatment. And I just hope that there won't be any sweeps against uh, DAOs that try to do it right, just because of bad actors in the space.
0: If we switch from, let's say, a general discussion on DAOs, or you mentioned a couple of DeFi protocol DAOs now, which are, definitely the most successful ones if we measured in total value locked in but if we move uh, towards investment DAOs so investment DAOs where let's say the participants use the DAO governance tokens to vote on which project to invest in and then we take uh, one prominent example with the Constitution DAO these guys who were bidding for an original copy uh, of the U.S. Constitution. I think that that's a kind of success story because in a very short period of time, money was collected. That's something which is promising mm, because it's kind of real time build up of uh, investment dials on the one hand side. But on the other hand side, they obviously didn't succeed, which was due to the fact that the they were outbidded. Because it was very transparent what their maximum bid price uh, could be because that was the the money they collected and it is all transparent uh, with investment dollars. In general, what do you think are limitations of investment dollars?
2: I think the limitations are... Of investment DAOs are essentially on getting into opportunities in a timely manner. But right now, I think it's they're very limited to to crypto only, right? Because I think most regulated investment opportunities would not allow a DAO to be an investor. We even see this already as a problem with just getting like services, signing, let's say, audits or signing for for audit agreements with service providers. Where they're asking, yeah, well, what's the company that you're you're signing this agreement with? Or who should we invoice to, right? And this is something that kind of amplifies in magnitude when you get to actually regulated investment opportunities. So some investment dollars might jointly decide to, hey, let's invest in this. But then they can't because there is no clear representation or not enough representation needed for uh, actually hmm. Investing in this this particular opportunity, so I think investment DAOs will sort of evolve towards being more intertwined with traditional structures, where we kind of keep the advantages of an investment DAO, which is agency transparency for those that want it, while combining it with sort of a more regulated entity, but. Obviously, that is much easier said than none because then you're con- suddenly falling under KYC and AML laws again. So it's going to be, be very, very interesting. But for now, I, I think the limitations will make investment dollars a niche that is sort of
0: contained to the to the crypto space. Mm, okay, so you you see mainly, and I 100% agree with you that the regulatory side is the the big unknown here, right? From taxes, from AML to just simply signing legal contracts to question of the contributor, uh, DAO contributor liability, ATC. Yeah, I mean and you I, have
2: Wyoming, right? Which kind of I think equates DAOs to LLCs if you if you register there. I haven't, mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I haven't looked into that too in depth, but I doubt that that would be just enough to skip all that because again, no right? Yeah,
1: Wyoming is, is not that nice. It's yeah. As far as I understood it, they basically still need an entity that's kind of in front of the DAO then that's registered in Wyoming and then everything is Gucci. But then again, <laughs> you can just set up the entity yeah, I think yeah. you
0: need you need an anchor in the, let's say, real traditional uh, world, otherwise it, it it won't work this time. Okay. since since we are talking a little bit of, about limitational challenges here, I mean, Apart from the different big opportunities we all see in in DAOs, let's go back a little bit in history. And I think I started introduction with referencing to the one the DAO original dryer project in 2016. Mind that was a great idea, but in terms of implementation, it yes suffered from a couple of hiccups, right? So there was I think <laughs> 50 million. Dollar hack of the DAO. And, and additionally, because we talk about regulation, the SEC in the US classified it as a security. So that was definitely not, not an easy go. So what you consider are the key learnings from historical failures on the one hand side. And obviously we have kind of call it successful Dows. We talked about them, Uniswap, MakerDAO, Aave or Compound on the other side. Could you distill some uh, learnings for, for your work at Spool from what happened to the other guys here?
2: Yes and that is always sleep with one eye open no but, but seriously uh, it's <laughs> it's a, it's a very very scary space right because there is like no trodden path like we're sort of pushing into new frontier with our machetes just destroying bushes in front of us just pushing forward into the unknown and you never know like if there's like a snake jumping out, biting you in the ankle any second, and therefore you always need to remain vigilant. I think it's uh, just a risk you assume when you're pushing down a frontier that someone will come or some, some regulator will come and, and slap you. And it's just something to be prepared for. And it's essentially a risk that everyone in this space is willing to take. And yeah, I think that's the key learning. And I think you probably expected some very, very specific things, but I think it's very hard to give these. Um, some specifics that I could give is ensure quality of all contracts that manage funds for other people. If you lose your own money, that's uh, kind of your problem. But if you lose other people's money, even by association, even if you're not directly controlling it, but if you just built the architecture for that manages that money, even though these people put it in there, despite all the disclaimers you give them and despite all the risks that you, they know are there, if, if they lose it, you, the anger will be directed towards you and at DAO, right? So do everything you can in your power to ensure security of contracts and do everything in your power to ensure that you're not abusing the kind of leadership position that you explicitly or implicitly have in, within the DAO. And then I think you're on a good path.
1: No, I think you bring something very important up, and you're also making very practical, practical statements from a real world experience. So I think that's a lot more valuable than uh, some out of the box statements. But I think there's a big difference. Also, I think with one eye on regulation and with the other eye on exactly what you said, this this responsibility towards basically board of directors that's made up of potentially tens of thousands of random people on the internet, um, who might or might not manage the risk of their investment properly and might or might not get very emotional over open market developments, which is also a differentiation between many DAOs and many core teams being still anonymous, where we see devs and contributors just getting paid basically directly into tornado cash or something so that um, no one actually knows who these people are and they are constantly trying to hide. And now, like I'm personally a big fan of uh, personal responsibility because I think it it really drives Honesty and it also drives solid work, I believe, and centralizes the right kind of things. But we spoke about it earlier, really quick. I was from a legal side. The bridge to the real world, quote unquote, is a difficult topic since a DAO is, of course, treated very differently and um, it's not established in most jurisdictions how it has to be treated. Whereas if you set up a limited liability company in any jurisdiction on earth you basically know exactly what you're getting and if you have one in peru you can still do business with um, another business in japan but if you have a dao like a real decentralized dao that's basically just in the ether out there then maybe in germany it's clearly defined as a, an entity where every single person that's involved that owns a token is fully responsible and fully liable for every single well, for everything that happens with the dao uh, now again, not advice, but then again, in Austria, you have a German speaking country right next to it. This might not be so clear. And the current consensus might be that the DAO is not um, even able to sign any documents. So yeah, things are shifting really fast. And maybe to my next question here, how do you think that investment DAOs are, uh, are going to evolve in the next one to two years? Are we going to see some really big hedge fund like DAOs pop up where you have a solid decision-making process where you have lots of involvement of the DAO members on the one hand, on the other hand, are we going to see a lot of small investment clubs, which we normally see with high net worth individuals or on family offices, where people just come together, throw money together, and they can directly fund um, some pre-sale or early token rounds. How do you kind of see the investment DAO scene evolve over the next one to two years?
2: Yeah, good, good question. I think you're onto something with the investment club idea, because the, the, the DAO model lends itself to this kind of thing naturally. And I think the bigger and more fund-like DAOs would become, the more they would kind of just tend back towards the traditional VC model where you're essentially having these sort of big investors giving a large chunk of money to someone else to just manage. And usually these big investors will not expect as much agency as members of these smaller investment clubs that are mostly regular high net worth individuals trying to manage their own portfolio and trying to to find better opportunities, right? So what I think, I think the, the, the big investment DAOs will sort of evolve from the very successful smaller ones that just attract a lot of ex- attention. And this is going to come down to not just success on the investment side, but also the decision to start marketing and start kind of creating a product around uh, investment clubs. Those are going to be the the kind of clubs that will actively try to attract more capital towards them with less discretion on who that capital is coming from. So there will be investment clubs that focus on who are we bringing in? Are they adding value? This sort of DAO. And then there is going to be other DAOs that will just say, well, here we're going to open up a thousand ETH round, just drop in your ETH and you're in and i think those have the kind of potential of also creating a structure where there is someone in charge of marketing that ensures that their logo is is put onto projects they invest in that will create like content and so on and and grow that way and i think this is sort of the way for these investment DAOs to evolve in different directions and i think that's this is sort of the development that we're gonna see Now, can you imagine
1: more collaboration between DAOs? At the moment, it seems often like DAOs are islands in and of uh, itself. So every DAO is like pretty shut off from the rest of the world. Are you feeling like, especially in the space of investment DAOs, um, where if you look at, we see the family offices uh, forming syndicates and sharing deal flow, investing together is the most normal thing that you could do. But so far in the DAO space, this real interaction and collaboration is not very established do you see this changing
2: yes it will definitely go that way in my opinion i mean this is already how the crypto vc space kind of works right it's very clicky much more clicky than most retail investors would expect and like you said sharing deal flow is something that is very natural because you simply cannot keep tabs on everything and all the ongoings and you'll naturally have experts and leaders develop in in different areas and then you're gonna have tiers in terms of the the kind of DAOs slash VCs that get the highest kind of quality deal flow and those are going to to try to come together with others to not only share deal for, but also to cement their space or their spot in this sort of tier that they're in. And then there's going to be up those that are trying to sort of like move up in these tiers. And yeah, there will be a lot of DAO to DAO collaboration. And I'm already seeing projects kind of pop up in that sense. We're already working with a DAO to DAO kind of project called Prime DAO with Spool DAO. but that's more on the DeFi side, less on the investment DAO side. But long story short, there there will definitely be more and more DAO-to-DAO work Um, and also driven by mutual financial incentivization in terms of like token swaps uh, that give DAOs sort of kind of, there's like some going to be some meta governance. So for example, if Spool DAO does a token swap with another DAO, then Spool governance will have to sort of vote on what to vote on in the governance of that other DAO. And there's going to be very, very interesting dynamics that are going to be formed off of this, where at some point Dao's might make, make up the majority of the governance of, an, of another Dao. And yeah, this is going to <laughs> create a whole new layer of politics for Dao's as well. It's going to be very interesting. It's impossible to predict how exactly this will affect the space, but yeah, it's going to be something that we're going to see live and that we can adjust to as it happens.
0: Philip, as we come to the end of our talk or or interview here, we, at the end, ask what we call a golden question, which is uh, normally a little bit challenging. And the golden question to you today would be, next to Spool, which DAO projects are on your personal investment list or in your investment shopping cart right now?
2: In my shopping cart or in my portfolio?
0: You can say both if you want.
2: So... The, aside from uh, ETH, my biggest position in in terms of DAOs is, is curve and also, well, to a degree convex from the curve that I used to uh, farm uh, convex. And I think I can give some insight on why that is. And I think the strengths behind these models, because there's also some inspiration taken from their first book, because... So curve and convex are very, very related to each other uh, in the sense that a curve or more importantly, vote escrowed curve, short V-curve, is the means of providing liquidity on curve, which is, I think, the biggest stablecoin market, AMM, automated market maker out there. And this liquidity or this means to to incentivize liquidity there is controlled by convex, which controls a lot of vote escrow convex a curve provided by stakers and lockers and the kind of dynamic this creates is something that i think will create a larger trend in DeFi, and that is the power of of governance in that sense right so governance can not only be what's the direction of the project or the protocol or the community but it can also control or apply very, very strong financial power in terms of how is the the treasury managed and how are incentive payouts from the treasury directed. So what V-curve essentially does is it allows you to direct future curve CRV emissions to liquidity gauges on curve. Now, if you control a lot of V-curve, which Convex does because it incentivizes the locking of curve with Convex, Then you can essentially have a very, very strong say in what what pools, what factory pools on Curve get incentivized. So if we now zoom out and we have someone come up with a new, let's say, algorithmic stablecoin, and they want to create liquidity for that stablecoin by pairing it with the traditional stablecoins like USDC, DAI, or USDT, then they will... To attract liquidity and make sure that their stablecoin is liquid and retains PEG at $1, they will need to incentivize liquidity on curve. But to do that, they need votes uh, from the V-curve that is locked, right? And since Convex controls a lot of locked curve, these algorithmic stablecoins now bribe V-curve, DAO members, vote holders, and so on with tokens for their vote to ensure that some incentives, some curve incentives, are directed to that particular gosh that they set up for their own algorithmic stablecoin. So now your voting power suddenly has monetary value, and I think this is very, very strong from a token economic perspective, because it not only gives the governance participants uh, say in how the protocol is run, but it also gives them the power to direct the future stream of liquidity or the st- incentives for the protocol, right? And if that stream of incentives is in demand, then their voting power suddenly has this secondary monetary value that can well exceed the monetary value that they get from revenue participation and so on. And that's my reasoning for it. It's kind of long-winded, but I think it's going to be very valuable. So if you're listening to this and skipped over this part or didn't pay attention, go back and listen again, because I think this is uh, very, very interesting information for a lot of people. And, well, we're trying to create very similar scenarios for that for Spool. There's a proposal for this coming out very soon as well. So if you like what I just said, then definitely look into that as well. Little plug for (laughs) Spool at the end.
0: Uh, Okay, so that's a cool kind of ecosystem or synergy play between Curve and and, and Convex. But this is your existing portfolio. Looking ahead for 2022 or 2023, is there any project in your target range, I would say? ETH.
2: I'm just a very big uh, fan of of Ether. And I'm not really a short-term kind of person. I like to hold for the long-term. And what I think is most important to look at things, if you're thinking about the long term, is where is the innovation happening, where are the developers and um, where is the plan for the end game? And that's sort of my my hypothesis, right? And I say that fully aware that in the short term, there's always going to be better options if if you jump around and trade actively. But I think that, well, I definitely predict that Ethereum will flip Bitcoin and become the most important or the benchmark asset in the crypto space within the next, let's say, three years. And yeah, I'm obviously
0: putting my personal money where my mouth is there. That's clear. You have a long-term view here. I think that's very beneficial also for our our listeners. Uh, Is there anything you would like to add to this very long discussion we had with you here? Is there any topic we left out you think would be worth shortly discussing? I think I would
2: like to leave on the note of what I think is most important. And I'm also writing an article about this is when you're looking at DAOs, don't just look at the DAO label, look at two things. And those are the two things that, in my opinion, give governance tokens slash DAO tokens actual value. The first thing is, what am I governing? Is it meaningful? And am I connected to the success of what I'm actually governing? And the second thing is, who am I governing with? Because sometimes if you don't know if you're in the right place, look around you and check who's there with you. And if you, if you look into familiar faces or the right faces, then you're likely at the right place. And I think this, in the context of DAOs, is a better way to assess investments than any traditional metrics would be, in my personal opinion. And it's very valid to add this, these two simple questions to your due diligence process.
0: That was a great uh, final statement. Philip, thank you so much for being with us today here. It was really a great pleasure to have you with us. here.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for the time and thanks for all the great questions. A lot of them made me think quite a bit and uh, yeah, I hope that what we talked about is valuable for a lot of people and yeah, if anyone wants to reach me and talk more about this, you can find me in the Spool Discord but you can also find me uh, on LinkedIn and just reach out looking forward to it.
0: Cool. I think we all learned a lot today. We've got new and additional insights into an exciting and multifaceted topic, the world of DAOs. If I would sum it up, I would say the DAO verse is still in its infancy, in particular with regards to like legal frameworks, but also I think with regards to optimal organizational structures and incentives. But nevertheless, it's experiencing an enormous momentum currently. And it's really hard to imagine that DAOs won't play a central role in the crypto and Web3 space in 2022 and and onwards. Um, A DAO in Chinese means the way, the path, or even a holistic belief. And in this sense, Philip, we wish you all the best for succeeding with the spool DAO, taking the right path forward. And it would be great to catch up on another investment talk in a couple of months to learn about your progress failures, uh, and successes here. Yeah, for sure. And finally, my thanks go to Simon for being a great co-host today. It was a pleasure as always.
1: It's a joy, every single episode.
0: Dear listeners, we hope you enjoyed this talk today. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned, stay loyal to the Untitled Investment Talk, the podcast about all things digital assets. All signal, no noise.